I wonder if you like opening things, all kinds of things that we open. And perhaps over the last few weeks you have opened a book, dug out one of the old ones that is your favourite or discovered a new book to read and hopefully got absorbed in it. I dug out an old book I read as, as a teenager, Three Men in a Boat. And part of that story is a story of opening things. If you have read it, you might remember the tin of pineapples. The three men row down the Thames and they're coming towards Maidenhead and they all like pineapple. We're very fond of pineapple, all three of us. We looked at the picture on the tin, we thought about the juice, we smiled at one another and Harris got a spoon ready. Then we looked for the knife to open the tin with, the can opener. We turned out everything in our hamper. We turned out the bags, we pulled up the boards at the bottom of the boat. We took out everything onto the bank and shook it. There was no tin opener to be found. Then Harris tried to open the tin with a pocket knife and broke the knife and cut himself badly. And George tried a pair of scissors and the scissors flew up and nearly put his eye out. While they were dressing their wounds, I tried to make a hole in the thing with the spiky end of the hitcher. And the hitcher slipped and jerked me out between the boat and the bank into two feet of muddy water and the tin rolled over uninjured and broke a teacup. Then we all got mad. We took that tin out on the bank and Harris went up into the field and got a big sharp stone and I went back into the boat and brought out the mast and George held the tin and Harris held the sharp end of the stone and hit it against the top of it and took the mast and the, poised it up high in the air and gathered up all my strength and brought it down. It was George's straw hat that saved his life that day. He keeps that hat now as a memento, what is left of it. And in a winter's evening, when the pipes are lit and the boys are telling their stories of the dangers they pass through, George brings down that hat and shows it round. And the stirring tale is told anew with fresh exaggeration every time. They never did open that tin of pineapple. In the end, they tossed it into the Thames. It's a great comic story. Opening things can be difficult. This modern tin has a, a, a can opener, a, a ring pull on the top, so it would be easy for me to open this today. 
But what do we struggle to open? Certainly, the church is closed up at the moment, so the doors are locked, and we have to reassure people that though the building is closed, the church is open to love and to worship and to care for others and to pray for them. God is open is one of our notices. Opening things can be difficult, but exciting too. For the children linked to the churches, both Trinity and Corsair, there's a, a new venture of growing some seeds. Each of the children linked to the church has been given a packet of seeds and the excitement of opening that and also a little square of compost that magically will expand when you add warm water. Open the packet, sow the seeds and things grow. And today we're thinking about opening scripture, opening the Bible, this precious book, sometimes so difficult, so strange, some of the words, some of the ideas, some of the events uh, are things to puzzle over and to worry about sometimes. But we learn about the way Jesus opened that book to his friends, and especially two friends on their way back from Jerusalem. And that opening in that new way that Jesus did, brought those words and brought the Bible, Scripture, alive for them. And they talked about their hearts burning within them. Let's pray. Lord, keep us open. Open to new people, to new truth, and open to your spirit and to the word of Jesus. Let us pray. God, whose love is eternal, may our faith and hope be fixed on you. Speak your living word to us, that we may grow in love for one another and all humanity, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take you on a 14-mile walk today, but you'd be glad to hear that it will be in our imaginations rather than the 30,000 physical steps that might be required to complete that journey. After all, we don't want to exceed our daily allowance of an hour's exercise. So the journey we'll be taking is with a man called Cleopas and his unnamed companion. And again, in our imagination, social distancing will not be required in this journey. We can draw close to them and walk with them. Perhaps they are husband and wife, perhaps two friends who've been to Jerusalem for the Passover. And now they walk home to their village of Emmaus, a journey of about seven miles. 
They are disciples of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, or have been. But now they tread the path home heavily. All their hopes have been shattered. Their confidence that this Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, was the Messiah, has been broken. They've watched him nail, nailed to a cross. They've seen him die. They feel helpless and hopeless. Confused, grief-stricken, perhaps angry too. And all they want to do is to get home and put all this madness behind them. Rumours are circulating Jerusalem. Women disciples have even claimed that Jesus is alive. And they've seen that the tomb is now empty and desolate. And their hearts are empty too. And we walk with them. And we feel their pain and their confusion. Like the pain and confusion of so many millions across our planet at this time. And it feels more than seven miles of hard slog in the heat of the afternoon. But as we walk, a stranger comes alongside us and walks with us. He asks Cleopas and his companion, what are you talking about to each other as you walk along? And this is a moment they can unburden all that pain and emotion and those feelings on this stranger, a stranger who perhaps they'll never meet again. They're surprised by the question, because this Jesus and his death has been the talk of the town. It's as if someone was asking, what's the news about at the moment? What's this coronavirus thing about? Are you the only one who hasn't heard about this? They ask this man. And then they tell the stranger about this Jesus of Nazareth, on whom they place so much hope and trust, and yet had been handed over and crucified, dead and buried and gone. And with him, all their hopes for rescue and liberation and salvation. For me, it feels like a counselling session where the stranger enables the wounded disciples to unload what's on their hearts. But then the atmosphere changes. This is not just about listening. Something amazing is going to happen. And so the stranger boldly says words a counsellor would never use. How foolish you are. How slow to believe. Luke, the storyteller, wants to move us from the pain and hurt to some deeper, amazing reality. And that amazing reality is the risen Jesus. He wants us to understand the cross and the empty tomb in a new way. 
And so this stranger, who is the risen Jesus, asks another question. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter his glory? Suffering and sacrifice and new life and glory. Two sides of the great mystery of the saving work of Jesus. Two sides of the mystery of Easter and all that it brings to us. The crucified and the risen Saviour. Cleopas and the companion would have known their scriptures, their Hebrew scriptures, perhaps better than we do today. And they find the stranger explaining them, opening them up, them up in a new way. They hear again ancient words, familiar words, about the way God works, but brought a new light, bringing new light to all that they were thinking, all that they've experienced in the past week. And the rest of the journey those seven miles that had been so forlorn and slow and hard go quickly. Before they know it, they've arrived at home. The journey is done. The stranger is about to carry on. He's going, going on. And would you have stopped him? Or would you have just let him go on? Would you have invited him in to share a meal and a bed for the night? That's what Cleopas and his companion do. After all, we know that this is Jesus. We've been let into the secret by Luke. So surely we would invite him in, but would Cleopas, would you, in their shoes, invite him in? This is Jesus, hidden and unrecognised, but for the two disciples, still a stranger. But his words have been warming their hearts. They don't want to lose him now. So they invite him in, they offer him food and a bed for the night. Stay with us, they say. The day is almost over and it's getting dark. So go into their simple home. See the bread on the table, the wine and the grapes. Imagine the stranger who you know is Jesus breaking the bread, offering a prayer showing his wounded hands, his familiar smile, face to face at last. Picture the two disciples, eyes finally opened to this stranger who is Jesus, recognising the one who was dead and is now alive forevermore. And in that moment he slips away. Always beyond us, always ahead of us, always a mystery that we cannot pin down. Jesus is Lord. 
and leads us forward into light and hope and love. The sun is almost gone. But the two disciples leap up from the table. They must return to Jerusalem and tell the others the great news. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. They're not afraid that it's getting dark. There's a new joy and warmth in their hearts that they want to share here and now. This moment. So let's join them in that sense of excitement. Join them in that journey another seven months back to Jerusalem. Still talking and wondering over all that has happened. This wonder of wonders. That love is stronger than hatred. That life is stronger than death. That Jesus walks with us step by step. The one who gave his life for us and humanity. And gives new life to us. Each one of us today. Lucy Green's poem helps us sense how they made that journey back to Jerusalem. And I end by reading that now. It's darker now, but there is light within us. We faced the sundown. Yet our dawn has come, our heavy feet dragged on the westward journey, which now are swift, for every place is home. We came in sorrow, but in joy returning. We tread the same road, though with different eyes. Hasten to share with others this new wonder. Recall his promises that he would rise. We did not know him as he walked beside us, yet our hearts kindled at the words he said. Slow to believe the truths we so much long for, but quick to know whose loved hands broke the bread. It was the Lord, whom we had thought a stranger, how dim our eyes, but now with faith restored, at any turn of roadway, we may meet him in any stranger. We may see the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, stay with us, we pray, all our journey through, renewing your hope within us. Open our minds to your truth and warm our hearts with your great love. Love for all creation. Amen.